Every town has a story. Businesses, organizations, and people all help to make up that story. I'm Jessica Gunn with the Clarksville-Johnson County Chamber of Commerce, and I'm here to explore those stories straight from the sources, learn their journeys, and inspire others to make similar quests. This is a great opportunity to get some insight on our community and its businesses. So thanks for joining me to know your roots. All right, thanks for joining me. I am here with Rob and Kim Mullins, the owners of Fox and Fork here in Clarksville, Johnson County. And here we go. <laughs> so how are y'all doing this morning? Good, it's an early morning already. Uh, <laughs> truck has stopped by, unloaded food, got bread working, so yeah, everything's, everything's cooking. All right, um, so we tried to do this before, um, last week actually, and on my accord, I, I messed it up, so I really appreciate y'all coming out with me and, and trying this again. This is, you know, a lesson learned for me. Um, but last time you had this beautiful bread plate, um, and I just kind of wanted to go into explaining, you know, where did that idea come from to, to create this, this plate? Well, uh, I knew um, bread is kind of what we're known for. Uh, we've done sourdough for, well, I've done sourdough for a long time, and uh, we knew we really wanted to incorporate it because it really tasted good. Um, we know that there's a lot of restaurants that will put, um, like chips and salsa, they'll put some kind of a bread on your, on your table, but you know, I've never been impressed by anything out there, and we really like how the sourdough works, and it pairs really, really well with the different apps. So. Um, <clears throat> We kind of wanted to center a lot of what happens here at the restaurant around the bread, including the sandwiches at lunch and the uh, and the appetizers as well. So whenever we're putting something new out there, um, either you know sandwich-wise or, or anything like that, we try to incorporate an element of the bread in some way, shape, or form. Okay, and then you had, it was like a hummus and then the cheese. What kind of cheese was that? Okay, it was a, it was a pimento cheese, and it's a blend of three different cheeses, and uh, it's really, really good. Um, what was it that was drizzled on top of it? Oh, that's a balsamic reduction. Okay. Um, you know, cheeses of that nature tend to be really, really extremely high in fat. And so in order to kind of slice through that, you kind of need something a little, uh, a little sour, a little tangy uh, to go along with that. And the balsamic reduction really, really works there. When we first opened, I made my own reduction at the very beginning, but it, it takes about eight to 10 hours to do Goodness. it. And we, when, we got, when we started getting busier and busier and busier, we found a really good product by Roland and we started using that one because it's just, it's easier and it really tastes good. It tastes almost exactly like mine. All right. Um, so what kind of got you into this bread baking? Like what, where did that interest come from? Where did that passion start? Um, you know, I keep pointing to this. I've always liked, enjoyed cooking. Uh, Kim and I have been in the restaurant business before. Um, when we were first married and, and then we got out of the restaurant business and all that kind of stuff. But I think for myself personally, the passion really kind of started when um, I was a returning student to college. We had three kids. No, was we Garrett Gordon? We had three kids. When we moved to Oklahoma City. When we moved to Oklahoma City. Okay. Yes. And I re enrolled. I was it's right. Easy to lose count. Yeah, <laughs> at this part. Uh, I was right below age of 34. Is that right? She's no. going to correct me when I'm wrong. That's not. Yeah, maybe. Is I don't know. I, it doesn't matter. Okay. Irrelevant. Uh, I spent a lot of time at Starbucks, and I did a lot of studying at Starbucks, and we were so poor back then. And, um, I would, I, I, and I would stay at Starbucks because I loved the coffee at the time. And if you got an in-house mug, 
you could get free refills as long as you were there. So I'd spend four hours there drinking yeah. coffee and studying and everything like that. And I guess they never got mad at me or threw me out. But <laughs> every once in a while, I'd want a snack or something like that. And they wanted like uh, several dollars for, for a biscotti, you know. And like I said, I was a student. We had three kids. And um, just couldn't afford uh, this uh, airy kind of... It, it kind of a crappy little biscuit really is what it all boiled down to and I thought you know I wonder if I can make these things and started uh, dug out a book that we got for our uh, wedding for our, yeah for our wedding the joy of cooking the joy of cooking <laughs> I, I use that book so much and and sure enough there's a there's a recipe for biscotti in there and it's a it's a serious Italian cookie from that book and it makes anything that you get at the store or even with uh, with Starbucks look like just looks like a uh, what was that Melba toast that you know it's there it's crunchy but there's really no substance to it kind of thing you bite into it it just like dissolves and dies and this the, the the joy cooking one is really really good and so that that kind of started the whole quest it's like wow I can make biscotti I can actually do things yeah. and, and make stuff that people will want to eat and our, at our church, our church, you know, I brought a bunch at our church once because I made too many. I got a little crazy. And everybody went nuts. And then next thing I know, I'm making biscotti every weekend for the church in different flavors. Uh, orange ginger, um, uh, the double Dark Dutch chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, they were so good. Uh, lemon almond. You just need to start doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. But we did. We, we, we made, I made a crap ton of biscotti and then it just kind of started, went into other things and at the time she was cooking also so I was playing at it and she was feeding us so that's our roles were still on that level until we moved to Clarksville and then things started getting <laughs> things started getting weird <laughs> so you said that you owned a restaurant before so what no oh, okay no. A really good friend of mine uh, Jim Hammett um, was a uh, kind of a mentor of mine um, taught me the finesse about uh, cooking. I, I did work the line. I really didn't know what I was doing. Sometimes I feel like I still don't. But, uh, but well, Jim, you're always learning. Oh, yeah. And Jim had two restaurants in Claremore, Oklahoma. Uh, he owned a Hammett House. And then he sold that one and started a new project called Venice Garden. And that's where Kim and I worked together. And we were in the restaurants business before. I worked at Molly's Landing and she worked at Hammett House. And then we got married. She left Hammett House. I left Molly's Landing. We both ended up in Venice Gardens. She was, was front of the house. School and just yeah. waiting tables a couple nights a week just to kind of, you know, yeah. add to the income stream. So. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun there. We had a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. Maybe too much fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jim Hammett was uh, was very instrumental in kind of getting my head wrapped around, you know, the finesse of cooking, the art of it all. Uh, making things just taste good and making making things look good on the plate. So I, I learned a lot of things from him for sure. Um, that's sorry. That's when we really fell in love with the idea of of having a restaurant because we thought it would be so great to have a place of our own. And um, but then the kids started coming, and it's just not a very conducive life, uh, you know, to have one or both of us late nights at a restaurant closing things down and. Um, you know, and so we decided to kind of table that. We thought, you know, someday when we retire, we'll get a little place and just have a little restaurant, and it'll be, you know, that'll be our little retirement, little nest egg something, I don't know, when the kids are gone. And anyway, and then this place kind of fell into our laps, and we thought our kids are old enough to pitch in and help and enjoy the ride with us. So 
So how old were they whenever you did decide to make the leap? Oh gosh, it was three years ago. So we had, let's see, we had a 19 year old, an 18 year old, a 15 year old, and McKenna would have been nine, eight, okay. somewhere around there. So, okay. Yeah. By the way, anybody that says, uh, when I retire, I want to own a restaurant. It's just lying to themselves. <laughs> this is not something you retire on. That's proof that we had no clue as to no. what we were doing. Yeah, I've heard many times, even talking with other local restaurants, you know, it's it's your life. That's You become that restaurant. It's, it's difficult to differentiate, you know, having something else plus a restaurant. Yeah. Well, I, I tell people all the time that we don't own a restaurant. The restaurant owns us. Yeah. And Rob, Rob always refers to it as... Well, uh... Downton Abbey has a quote. I refer to it as, it's my sixth child, my third parent, and my second wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you had said, you know, about the books earlier, and I noticed all those books on the back wall over there. Yeah. Um, so do you do you read those? Do you just gather inspiration? Like, what, what are those? Uh, they are very inspirational. I tried to... Um, I've, I've had people come in just, Rob, you're such a good chef. I'm like, well, I, I, I guess I am, but I really stand on the shoulders of giants because I, I look at those things for inspiration. Um, I've read every one of them pretty much cover to cover uh, and a lot of my technique. Now, the thing about cookbooks is they are written for the home. So what they've done is the chef, uh, the writer of a cookbook, let's just say Edward Lee, um, really great guy from New York, uh, ended up in Kentucky, uh, going to the Kentucky Derbies and all that kind of stuff, started a restaurant there, reinvented himself, reinvented his whole life after 9-11. He, uh, he's taking stuff from his restaurant and fixing it in such a way and bringing the, the volume down in such a way that you can do it at home. Well, I've got to reverse engineer that. So I'll take anything that they're doing and I have to volumetrically add to that. And it's not just like doubling or tripling something because everything is in ratios. So you have to figure out the ratio of each thing, then scale it up so that it tastes right when you're doing it again. Now, the first time I make something, uh, I will make it exactly the way they prescribe, but then I'll go, okay, I'm gonna do it this way. And the, the bourbon meatloaf is inspiration from Edward Lee, actually. It's, it's one of the first dishes we ever had here. It'll probably never come off the menu. Uh, it's kind of become our namesake to the, for the most part. Um, was inspired by him. But, uh, well, just the other day, I opened up the book and was looking at his meatloaf recipe. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we've strayed so far from this. It's not yeah. even the same animal. But it's amazing how you just find something, you just tweak and tweak and tweak. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I love to cook, too, and, and I'm the cooker for my family. Of course, I don't do restaurant skill, but but even then, oh, I love to... Feeding. You're feeding people, you know, making people happy. Exactly, and that's kind of what my, my dad was the one who gave me that inspiration. He loved to cook, and so he taught me when I was eight, nine years old, my brother and I would take turns, you know, cooking that night. You know, we got to pick, and so, so I, really, I really like it. And, and then, I don't know, now I, I'm always like, oh, how's it taste? How can I make it better? And my family's <laughs> like, mom, stop. <laughs> Uh, Um, So earlier you mentioned that you were a student. What was it that you were going to school for? Okay, the first time I went to school, I got a degree in biology. Uh, I was heading towards uh, the entomology track. My dream was to go to South America, go into the jungle and catch bugs and catalog and name them. I actually had an opportunity to go, but I didn't go. Um, Then I went back to college and got a degree in um, business, 
a, a, a BS in business administration and marketing. And then I went back to school and got my master's degree in IT. So just like all over the map, you know, I don't know. But it's strange how we end up where we are, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Life oh, yeah. has this funny way. Yeah. <laughs> all these student loans and he's not even using them. A <laughs> yeah. little ironic. But, I mean, you, you still learn different skills and traits that you could apply to this job. Is there anything that stands out in your mind? Uh, like from my school career? Yes. That, um, I, had a, I had an instructor say once that you get a bachelor's degree to prove you can learn. You get a master's degree to prove that you can teach yourself. And you get a Ph.D. or a doctorate degree to prove that you can teach others is, okay. is the way he kind of nailed it down. So I guess with a master's degree, I can learn. I can teach myself. I can not only learn, but I can teach myself things that aren't normally readily available to, to I mean, I know where I can go to get information and, and find things. And, and uh, you know, if the bread isn't behaving right, I can, you know, uh, go to different places and find out, you know, what's, what's going on with this? Is it too much? Is it too little? Too long? Too short? All those kinds of things. So I guess, I guess that would be kind of a lesson to learn. Uh, business administration, they don't teach you, they teach you a lot of great stuff. Um, the things that are really important though, like uh, how to pay taxes correctly, um, <laughs> they don't so much teach that. Um, That's a trial and error thing. Yeah, they may teach, teach that in accounting, and I took accounting one or two, but I don't ever remember understanding the ins and outs of, of, of some of those kinds of things. So. Uh, as be, being an entrepreneur and everything, uh, understanding how taxes are is very important to your SWOT analysis for sure. Um, and if you leave that out, that's that's a uh, that's a that's a threat. Uh, you got strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Not realizing the tax code and how all that stuff works um, is, is is very important. Is very important. Um, so going back to the books and just kind of the, the decorations for this, where this is wonderful. Like I love all the paintings and it's just the feeling, the atmosphere that you get when you walk in here. So where did that kind of, how did that happen? Kim? Well, uh, the previous owner uh, of the, the, well, it was, it was a coffee shop before and there was a radio station here and Jody Copeland owned it previously and um, had more of a rock and roll theme going on and there were um, rock and roll album covers all over the walls and um, you know rock and roll tables and different things like that and it was it was really a cool vibe for for what he was doing and um, but when we came in we knew we wanted more of a restaurant feel and more of a dining experience and uh, but there's one iconic wall that was painted by a student at U of O years ago, uh, long before. I mean, I never never met her, but uh, but it's it's an iconic wall. And if you've ever been in here, you've seen it. It's a great conversation piece, and it's just different music icons. And I mean, there's Elvis, and uh, there's uh, Johnny Cash, and there's. Uh, Gosh. I saw Marilyn Monroe, yeah, Bob Marilyn Marley. Monroe, and... Bob Marley. It's it's really really a cool wall, and um, and it's a lot of fun. And that's when we were deciding, you know, where we wanted to paint, what we wanted to leave, and what we, you know, wanted to to paint over. And and that wall, Rob was like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, there's no way I'm painting yeah. over that wall. You know, <laughs> I cannot imagine that being just a blank wall. It's just yeah. it's just awesome, so, and it really contributes a lot to the 
to the feel and to the vibe of the place. So it's really cool. In the front room, um, what we, we've, we had to move our kitchen into the front room because when we, when we bought the place, there was no vent hood. And so we had to have a vent hood installed and it had to be on, out, on an outside wall. So we had to kind of, and as the, as the restaurant has grown, the kitchen of course has grown and we've had to take up more and more of that front room. But there's a wall in, in, in this front room that I absolutely love. It's Rob's and my favorite. Um, it's, and it was painted back in the early 1990s. Um, and it's, a, it's just a tree and it's just the coolest thing. There's so many colors and so much. And, and we hate that we've had to kind of cover up some of that tree with the kitchen because you can't really see it all. But, um, but it's pretty awesome. And that's, that's another thing that we, we vowed we wouldn't touch, so. Um, so, of course, with the decorations, there's a bunch of foxes everywhere. So how did that name transpire? Um, it's interesting. Rob has always been interested. He's always loved foxes. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier. He did about um, the, the college days and, and how broke we were. You know, we had <laughs> three and then four and then five kids while he was going to school. And, and uh, you know, barely had two nickels to rub together. And... Uh, he had found on uh, on Etsy some. It was a little stuffed animal. It was a little fox that was ma- handmade out of linen by a lady in Lithuania, and it was a bandit fox. And he wanted this bandit fox, and it was like I don't know. It was like 40, 40 bucks, and then the shipping to get it here from Lithuania, Lithuania was like another twenty bucks. And so I'm like, there's no way in the world I'm spending $60 on a little stuffed animal for yeah. you. I'm sorry. You're just going to, you know. <laughs> well, I saved and saved and I surprised him and got yeah. it for him for Christmas one year or something. Yeah. I don't know. It was the craziest thing. But anyway, but he loved it and he attached it to the back of his backpack and it went everywhere. And it had like a hashtag, Bandit Fox <laughs> and, and, and Instagram and anyway and it just kind of became a little I don't know a little icon for our family and we would always just talk we'd, we'd be like oh we're gonna go do such and such and they go woo bandit fox you know and it was just kind of a catchphrase that was silly and campy yeah, but, but you fun. know but fun and so anyway when we were when we bought the restaurant we're trying to think of a name and wanted to incorporate fox somehow but we couldn't think of anything that really sounded like a restaurant and so we tried, like, he, he had talked about Silver Fox because he's got a little bit of salt and pepper in his hair, you know. And, and I'm like, no, nah, it sounds a little geriatric. And then, <laughs> then somebody told me that there's a snow cone that's called the Silver Fox. I'm like, okay. And then we talked about Copper Fox because, you know, he's all about his Irish heritage. And he's got some red in his hair, too, and different things like that. And we thought about Copper Fox. And I'm like, no, because there's Copper Pig. Yeah. And, you know, it was just like nothing was clicking. So we sat outside the courthouse um, the weekend before we opened. It was the weekend before 4th of July, and we were heading to Oklahoma to his family's uh, for the holiday. And we sat outside the courthouse because we were going to register our business. And we debated and debated and debated. And, of course, we'd talked about it for days. And uh, finally, I'm like, you know what? Nobody says we have to do this today. Let's just go to Oklahoma. Let's spend the weekend. Let's see if your family has any ideas. Surely somebody's got something. And so... We get to Oklahoma and we walk into his mom and dad's place and we sit down and we weren't even there five minutes and the first words out of his mom's mouth were, so have you thought of a name? And so we looked at each other and kind of went through the whole story that I just finished telling and 
because we just can't think of anything that incorporates Fox that also sounds like a restaurant. And she goes, well, what about Fox and Fork? (laughs) And we just kind of looked at each other like, that was way too easy. I mean, it just clicked. And it was just, we knew that that was it from then on. And it's been really fun because, uh, you know, we have customers that bring us foxes all the time. And it's been, a lot of the foxes that you see around here were brought in by customers. And um, I know Sue Kinsey, God rest her soul, she came in. We barely knew her. She was working for the chamber when we first bought the restaurant. And she came in one day and, you know, introduced herself. And she's like, do you, would you mind if I painted a fox for your restaurant? I'm like, sure. And she goes, if you don't like it, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to put it up or anything like that. I just, and so then, like, throughout the next few months, she would come and get to know us a little better. And she, like, came and took one of our menus. And she'd ask us different questions. And we told her the story about Bandit Fox and all this stuff. Well, one day, she shows up at the restaurant with this gorgeous painting and um, if you've ever been in here, you know, or if you haven't, come in and ask about it, and I will be happy to share it because it's my favorite thing in the restaurant. Um, she incorporated, incorporated just all, so many personal things in the painting. And, um, I mean, our menu is on there. It's like, you know, and Bandit Fox is on there. And it's just the coolest, coolest thing, and it just means means so much. So it's pretty special. But, yeah, we've had people bring us foxes all the time you know it's just been a lot of fun so um so being located well I'll go first um you know where do you find this creativity how are you how do you make it unique how do you make it yourself that's a Rob question no like like from the food perspective well from all of it really oh okay um well when we when we did uh when we first opened we talked about a lot of different things um uh, silverware, napkins, plates, some of the things that you don't think about uh, until you're like up against the wall on that. You're like, oh yeah, we've got to have napkins. Um, but we talked about this, and one of the things, because the building is so unique, and there is so much art here, and there's so much history in the, in the building in and of itself, you know, one of the things that I just really insisted on was that when people walked in the front door, I want them to know that they're in for a different kind of an experience. Um, like it or hate it, they're going to have a different kind of experience than they've had anywhere else. Um, and we talked about this with some people just the other day. You know, they go to, you know, they go to a lot of restaurants, but they feel like restaurants. Mm-hmm. I want something to be a restaurant, but I also want it to feel like something else, something a little more homey, something a little more inviting. And so when someone first walks in through the door, uh, my rule was, okay, everything that they touch everything that they smell and everything that they see needs to be unique and different from everything else. And so we insisted on heavier tableware. Um, this is tableware you would find at your home. You know, uh, it's got some weight to it and it's ex- very expensive, but it was something that I really, you know, I didn't want the flimsy aluminum kind of uh, utensils. I wanted a real a real fork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted a real glass. Um, I wanted uh, uh, the the menus are on paper with texture, you know. So when you pick that menu up, you feel that texture there, and it feels different mm-hmm. than than anything else. It's not a, a vinyl plastic uh, thing that you know. And as a as a consequence, that's expensive too because when they start getting soiled and soaked, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to throw them away and start over. Just, yeah. But the point is, is to we want this to be a different experience. Uh, sure, you can pick up a vinyl menu and you're touching plastic and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't want that as an experience, as an eating experience for people. 
So the menus are, uh, uh, we talked about gluing them to, to, to boat oars at one point, <laughs> um, just to make it even more unique, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, see, uh, just to, to, that's, that's all part of the uniqueness of what Fox and Fork is. And we're making changes and we're making updates all the time to try to make that experience even more unique. Uh, we want to do some really interesting things with lighting as uh, the years go by. Uh, we have some really great ideas. Uh, working with a brilliant guy, uh, Alan Cross. He's an electrician. He's a extremely yeah. smart guy and uh, creative. Uh, just so I mean, he comes up with ideas for me. I mean, and so uh, he's got some really great ideas on lighting that we're going to incorporate eventually. Uh, just we really want to look at some outdoor seating. Yeah. We really, really want to incorporate that and uh, and and work into doing some fun, you know, outdoor seating because the weather's so beautiful here. You know, three fourths of the fall. year, yeah. it's so nice, and it'd be a great, you know, it'd be great to have. And with our, with Clarksville moving so much towards, you know, with the bike trails and Spadra just right down the, you know, a couple blocks away. I mean, there's just so many opportunities for outdoor activities and that kind of thing and so it'd be really nice to be able to to kind of branch out and do some of that and and be, be involved in some of those outdoor things as well I, I do love that like Clarksville has so many parks and just yeah. outdoor things and I, I see yeah. it's just recently you know really starting to make that shift and so I, th- I love yeah. that aspect of it exactly. um, so being you know going back to unique being located on I-40 I'm sure you have some pretty unique customers <laughs> um, so like what kind of what kind of people stop in uh, tell her the one, the Van Dye, the okay. Dye story. I uh, okay, so we've had before I get to that story, um, we have we have a lot of you know a lot of people that find us on Yelp or TripAdvisor or Google or whatever and 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 show up off of I-40 and it's great and we love that and we've we've kind of become a, a, a like a halfway point a midway point between Little Rock and Northwest Arkansas, and we've had several times where. Um, friends or family will meet here for dinner because you know they can drive an hour and a half for dinner but driving three hours to to have dinner with their friend it's a little tricky and so that's been really neat and we've even had situations where you know college students from U of O will meet up with their parents who live in Little Rock and they'll meet here to you know pick up something they they left at home or Mm -hmm. just to have lunch or something like that so that's kind of been neat too. Um, we, we get a lot of travelers. You know, it's kind of funny because in you know June, it seems like pretty much everybody in Clarksville goes on vacation and everybody packs up and goes away. And so we don't have a whole lot of locals that that dine with us in June, but we we have a lot of travelers that come. So it's kind of neat because we get to hear the that stories of people who you know where they've come from, where they're going, that kind of thing. Uh, one particular story. Uh, this was the first summer that we had the restaurant and um, you know we were we were just starting so everything was still new and we were our lunches were pretty slow and our afternoons were pretty dead and uh, so we had a period between like two and four and um, Rob and I were the only ones here and this couple comes in and they had this real you know thick accent and we fed them, visited with them, and they started asking us some questions, and anyway, ne- next thing you know, we're sitting down talking to them, and they were from, uh, they were, they were from, uh, Australia, and, uh, from Perth, Australia, and they had, they were on holiday, and they had flown to New York, and rented a car, and spent a month just driving to California, 
and just exploring the United States and seeing all that it had to offer and they found us and uh, you know I just think it's the coolest thing yeah. because we, we had such a great conversation with them and and you know of course we friended each other on Facebook and we keep in touch all the time and they're like when are you coming to Perth and you know it's just it's really <laughs> cool to know that you've got people that you just connect with like that over over lunch or just yeah. over a meal and I think that's what we love the most about what we do is just um, you know people just uh, just connecting and and over food, over food. <laughs> and you know we tell people but this kind of goes back to what Rob was saying before about you know we want it to be a unique experience it's never been just about the food for us you know we're, we're both pretty social people and we enjoy uh, we enjoy people and uh, I tell people when I'm training I tell our employees especially our servers look it this is this is a team effort and this is all about it's not just about the food it's a you know you can go to a restaurant that has great food but if you get horrible service yeah, you're not it. going back yeah. and, and on the flip side of that you can go to a restaurant with terrible service but you know the food is the, I mean with great service but the food is not so great and and you don't want to go back I mean it's it's a package deal and you want everything you want we want everything our whole goal is for people to leave happy leave happy and leave full (laughs) um so as business owners you I mean you don't get a whole lot of chances you always have to be on your a game because people are so quick to judge so on those days that you're feeling down or you know because not everybody's on top of their game at all times so how do you how do you cope with that like what do you what do you do to overcome those days that are just a little more tough than others you uh you mind over matter things um you just you just have to. I mean, there are days when I come here and I, I don't feel like peopling, you know, much less adulting. But <laughs> you know, that's just life, and and everybody has the, these same challenges. No matter what your career is, no matter what your job is, there are going to be days you just don't feel like doing it. But you got to put your big girl panties on, and you <laughs> have to you have to just make it happen. And um, so yeah, I think that's and you know and 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 a lot of times on days like that. There'll, there'll be somebody that comes in that just brightens your day or something will happen to just turn things around and um, you just have to look for those things and you have to be be you have to aggressively search for the positives instead of dwelling on the negatives on those days yeah you have to uh, for, for me it's all about uh, that internal dialogue and narrative that you have within yourself um, you know you can have a half a dozen uh, five-star reviews but then you get one star review and that can just destroy your 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 psyche so that internal dialogue and that narrative uh, is very important not to take that one one star review and let it just destroy you and you do that through several coping mechanisms and um, I mean this could be a long story but I'm not gonna make it that way but the place I worked before this is manufacturing and it, it started off great um, worked with some really great people uh, the the general manager there was an amazing person uh, but then the the plant got bought out by a larger uh, a larger corporation uh, it was a fortune 500 publicly traded and the entire culture of the of the plant just went into the trash can um, it became a uh, where it was a family and it was a lot of fun it just became an area of high stress uh, people started fighting. Um, friends became enemies. 
um, and it just got worse and they couldn't keep a general manager there they kept having a new general manager go in there like every six months they'd have a new general manager in there and you'd have to literally move in a whole new direction on a dime or you'd get yelled at um, and there's I mean that area was just really tough uh, psych, psyche, from a psyche perspective and I didn't have very good coping mechanisms then so when we cut here I had to develop those things and one of them is I sit in a hammock Sometimes I'll just go across the street, hang my hammock up between two trees, and just stare at the restaurant. And so I think that's really important for developing, um, well, for dealing with bad days, whether you're in a restaurant business or not. Uh, dealing with stress and, and developing coping mechanisms is something that I think our society is, they don't have a lot of. But and for every person, it's different. Sometimes it's riding the bike, sometimes it's being just staring at the wall mm-hmm. is a good coping mechanism. <laughs> and it's funny you say that, like, all of us do go through stress, but it's so funny how we put ourselves on the back burner. <laughs> you know, we, yes, we forget we to take care of ourselves because, yes. like, oh, we need to do this first. We gotta yeah. do this first, and then by the time you get home, it's nine o'clock, and you just want to go to bed. And exactly. so, it's it's just funny how we we do that as a society. Yeah, um, no, that's very. I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, when we first opened the restaurant, that's how I was. I just I was up here twenty four seven, drive, drive, drive. I was afraid to walk away from it. I was afraid to leave it alone. Uh, someone's going to kill it. Oh no! You know all this kind of stuff. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna walk across the street, and for two hours, I'm just gonna stare at the parking lot. And I'm like, wow, the place didn't burn down when I did that. It's amazing. <laughs> Nobody died. That's kind of cool too. Maybe I can walk yeah. away from this once in a while. <laughs> I heard somebody. I'm do, sorry. Do take care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I heard somebody say the other day, if you don't have one hour a day to give to yourself, then you need to you need to reprioritize. You need to reevaluate yep. your your time and and what you do because we all need that no matter what it is no matter that's right no matter what you choose to do whether, whether it be read a book or just you know chill on facebook or you know watch tv or something we all need some time some uninterrupted time where we we can just be by ourselves and take care of ourselves so so you mentioned read a book what books stand out to you what what inspires you um we've been we've been on a on a kick lately um uh, I just recently read a book by Rachel Hollis called Girl, Wash Your Face, and I highly recommend it for all of you women out there. It's, um, it's been really, really eye-opening for me. It's, every chapter talks about, uh, it addresses a lie that we tell ourselves all the time. And um, anyway, it was just very inspirational and very encouraging. Uh, so, so go get that book if you can. Get the audio book if you don't have time to read it. Stick your earbuds in, whatever. But um, but listen to that book or read that book because there's some really, really good stuff in there that um, we, we are our own worst enemies sometimes. You know, we hold ourselves back from achieving our dreams or from reaching out to do something that's, you know, outside of the norm or outside of the box just because it is outside of the norm or outside of the box or, you know, other people have said, oh, you can't, you know what I mean? Or you yourself have said, I, I, I could never do that. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I mean... You know, so anyway, get the book, read it. You'll see what I'm talking about. The other book, Rob and I just finished. Uh, we read it together. Um, it's by Donald Miller, and it is called, and I never get the title. Uh, uh, a, a million, thousand, a million miles in a thousand years. Yeah. I think is what it's called. Yeah. Um, and it's just a. It, it will change your perspective on life. Um, he talks about inciting incidents and and things that kind of change the course of, and kind of put you in a position to uh, to change the story of your life or to um, 
create a new story or it's just really really interesting and very inspiring and um so those are the those are the two books and then right now we're reading um love does by bob goff yeah love does by bob goff um and then rob rob has i haven't read it yet but i'm going to call uh, more or less shiner barger uh, is his name, but more or less was is a is a really good one, and basically it's a book on um, excessive generosity, is one, and the second question that the book really addresses is uh, what is enough, um, and I read it several years ago and it kind of started me off on this whole trip on minimalism, um, and I highly recommend it. It's a lot less stressful, <laughs> but uh, but it, it just kind of like reducing all the complexity in your life to just a few things that you really love and what you really enjoy and what is enough you know uh, what is enough money what is enough time what is enough fun what is you know what 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 is enough and there's one chapter in there kind of going along with the Rachel Hollis idea is uh, one of them is that you are enough and you know when I first read the book I, I, I write notes and I evaluate each chapter and I'm very critical and you know yeah this was good this was a good thought this was and that, that one chapter where it talks about you are enough um, I was looking at my notes from six years ago and, and I had wrote down this is a dumb chapter on self-image and, 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 and so I'm going wait a minute and I reread the chapter I'm like no this is a really good chapter this isn't a dumb chapter self-image is important <laughs> and, uh, and the whole idea is you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and you go, I'm enough. I, I don't have to be Johnny Depp or I don't have to be Rachel Hollis or, uh, or Bob Goff for that matter. I'm enough on my own, um, but I'm still going to look for outside narratives to be a part of and change my story and, 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 and do something that's, that's amazing and fun. And even if it's small changes, but you, but I am enough. I think I think the the key is and I think I think women have more trouble with this than than men do but you know I spent the first 50 years of my life trying to trying to be like other people instead of embracing who I am and who God created me to be and and there's nothing wrong with the person God created me to be I need to I need to own it and I need to go with it and stop trying to be somebody else because you know, I'm, I'm a pretty okay person, and yeah, that's exhausting. <laughs> and why would I want to be somebody else? You know, I mean, nobody, you know, nobody gets to nobody gets to to tell me what my life's going to look like. You know, that's my job. I mean, that's and and it should be my job. And so, anyway, so these are some of the the perspectives and insights that we've kind of been wrestling with lately. So, um, well, I think men do it. Men do it too. Uh, as far as evaluating ourselves, we just do it differently. Um, we're constantly asking new people, new guys, what do you do? Yeah. You know, and secretly in the back of our heads, we're trying to figure out how much money do you make? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of, how much stuff do you have? Yeah. How, what do your toys look like? What kind of car do you drive? You know, we evaluate ourselves on that way, in that <laughs> sense, because, huh? Comparison. Well, it is a comparison, and you know, how, what kind of a what kind of a provider am I? Am I a good provider? Do I, do I have all the stuff? Do I make all the money? Do we, are we doing all the vacations, all that stuff? So guys do it too. They just do it on a different, a level. different level. And uh, so, um, or we do it in the movies when Arnold Schwarzenegger is, you know, swinging uh, across two buildings, killing bad guys. I mean, it's, you know. It's what like, am I doing with my life? I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. How come I'm not? And so, 
and guys will like imprint on that and walk out of the theater with the chest out a little bit more and kind of standing up a little straighter trying to trying to be Arnold <laughs> or trying to be Sylvester Stallone or yeah absolutely and then like for the Fast and Furious movies every time we leave the movie theater everyone peels out and uh-huh. <laughs> doing donuts exactly. in the gravel exactly. yeah, yeah I can drift <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the other day when I was here visiting with y'all, um, you had told me, uh, uh, Kim had told me a quote by Rachel um, that maybe the mountain, what was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. It was maybe the mountain, or maybe you were given maybe a mountain, given to, show mountain other to show other people that it can be moved. Yes, I and absolutely I thought that love that. so good because, you know, we, we tend to feel like... Um, you know, and, and she talks about this in her book, too, that, uh, you know, people say everything happens for a reason. Well, the people that say that are people who haven't had something happen to them <laughs> to make them question that. And um, she talks about how her older brother committed suicide when she was 14. And she said, you know, you're not, you're not going to be able to convince me that that happened for a reason. You know, now, can good come out of those things? Yes. Did I, did I grow and change from that? Yes. Did that moment define me? No. But, um, but you know, maybe instead of, and, and like this kind of plays to the whole perspective thing, um, instead of looking at it like, oh, woe is me, this happened to me, um, you know, look at it like, okay, what, what opportunity do I have to, um, to get past this? You know, maybe I'm supposed to climb this mountain and maybe I'm supposed to move it who knows? I mean, yeah. but something good will come of this, and I will be better as a result. Um, another quote, this is probably one of my favorite quotes that um, from Rachel Hollis, is, uh, you know, you, you get to decide whether life happens to you or for you. And I, that, it, it just changes your whole perspective on, on life. Are you going to be the victim, or are you going to create your life? and take what you've been given and make the most of it. Yeah. So. so for me, my mountain was, was overcoming my failure of last week. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's something so minimal, but in my mind, it's crazy how we build stuff up. You know, we think yeah. like, oh no, it's over. And it was yeah. something that like, so after I told our new administration and marketing manager, Carly, you know, she was like, you know, are they really going to remember this in a month from now? Or you, yeah. you know, in yeah. a year from now, you can laugh on it, you know, yeah. but it's that crazy how it's so big in the moment, you I know? know. And, know. and it's so hard to um, overcome those failures and, and face those fears and embarrassment, especially embarrassment. That's one yeah. thing I struggle with. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. But, you know, I, I think it's interesting because your perspective on that and my perspective were because when the minute you said that I thought oh I get to spend more time with Jessica again you know (laughs) and I looked at that as well we had we had a great time talking together and now we get to do it again you know what I mean so I mean it's all about it's all about what you make of it so in my head I think of it as uh oh okay well that was practice then yeah yeah so so it's gonna be better the next time around (laughs) I try to think of the tables as I sometimes we fail at the table really bad the food's bad the service is bad someone gets forgotten it's like they walk out the door, and my staff is like, oh, man. I'm like, yeah, that's practice. Yeah. That's, that's, well, we learn from it. We, we learn, learn our lessons, and I definitely learned mine. Definitely. <laughs> um, I have, speaking on that, um, when we first opened, like I said, we didn't have event hood. And so, um, and we, you know, we were so eager to get started that we wanted to just start automatically because, you know, me and my arrogance thought, oh, everybody's going to be, you know, 
dying for Rob's cooking kind of stuff and not realizing how difficult it is to really actually build a business, much less a restaurant. And uh, so anyway, but we were so gung-ho that we went ahead and opened uh, before the vent hood was put in. And so Rob was doing everything. We had like maybe four or five items on our menu, but he was doing everything on two electric hot plates. Which, yeah, which is crazy. And, and in hindsight, we should have just not even opened until, because we had, we had a lot of, um, a lot of issues and a lot of people that, that left not happy. We didn't make a great first impression on a lot of people because you can imagine if you've got a big table, um, you can't take all the food out at one time mm -hmm. because half of it's going to be cold, yeah. you know, or if you bring it out a little bit at a time, then by the time the yeah. first people have finished eating, the last people are just not getting their food. So it was just a catastrophe. Well, we had some people who are now now good friends of ours, but we didn't know them at the time. And they came and they brought, um, they brought like, and there was it was a table of eight, and uh, they were all excited. And so they order. And like I said, I didn't know any of them at the time. And so we. Uh, uh, you know, they, they ordered, and next thing you know, the server's coming over and telling me, you know, this table over here is not happy at all because their food was cold. And anyway, and so I went over there and I, I gave them my story, and I just, I just owned everything. Yeah. And I said, you know, my apologies. Um, here's our situation. We don't have a vent hood. We're in the process of getting our kitchen installed. The vent hood should be in, in you know, in the next few weeks. And blah 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 but in the meantime Rob's back there doing everything on two electric hot plates and their jaws just dropped yeah. and it was like they said and they're like he did this yeah. on <laughs> on hot plates yeah. and they were so impressed yeah. with his ingenuity and yeah. just being able to do that it was like immediately everything was forgiven yeah. and you know, and I think that's a great life lesson. And now they've become some of our best customers. And they're like, tell us when the vent hood's going to be in and we'll be back. And yeah. they have been. And they've been great customers and become great friends. But I think there's a huge life lesson in that. You know, if you try something and it doesn't work, just own it. Yes. Own it. People are very forgiving by nature. Yes. And what's, what's, when they're not forgiving is when you try to make excuses for it or you try to, you know, justify it and um, instead of just really owning it. And so, anyway, so that's my little it's amazing lesson. amazing how just being honest with yourself and others, oh, like yeah. it's, it's one, for one, it's a, a relief, you know, yes. it just lifts weight and, and then yeah. just to be able to open up with them and then them understand, you know, exactly. and, and like how with our example you know I you understood perfectly and I'm so happy yeah. that it was with y'all <laughs> you know so um I guess going stepping back you know back onto the restaurant um so like working here what is what's the environment for those that work here oh gosh we um oh we've got we're, a lot we can say, <laughs> we can say a lot we uh <laughs> we're really like a family I mean if you come to work for us um you're part of our family. I mean, it's just that's just kind of how it works. And um, we have we have several college students that have worked for us, and we have really kind of adopted them. I mean, we've we've gotten to be super close. Um, I mean, some of them call us their Arkansas mom and dad, you know, that kind of thing. And um, there have been I'm I'm very picky about who we hire because. I want that chemistry to stay the same. I, I want us to get along. I want us to have a great time because we're together a lot. Yeah. 
And so forty hours a week, and you're home hardly at all. (laughs) Exactly. And I I love it when we have college students come in and work for us because I want to be that family for them away from their family, and I I want to be there for them. And you know, we've had people call us, and you know, kids call us and say, "Hey, my car broke down," or whatever, you know, whatever's going on. And I mean, we we're right there for them, and I love that. I mean, that's that's kind of a something I didn't anticipate when we when we started the restaurant. I didn't really anticipate the relationships and how our our family would grow you know but um but it's pretty special and we're like I said we're pretty pretty particular about that kind of thing so restaurants are notorious for being for for being rough uh in the back for sure um it's the it's the it's kind of it's kind of the dark side of the restaurant business that a lot of people up front don't really see and um it was a it was a now more because of like Food Network and stuff well, like yeah. that because you see the... Well, you see the Gordon Ramsay The Gordon Ramsay stuff across the, and that kind of thing. And a lot of that's theater for the TV show. Right. But a lot of that's also very real. And... Um, it's yeah, a high-stress yeah, environment. It is. About a year and a half ago, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, I was invited to go to a chef's poker night uh, from, from, from one of our food reps down in, in uh, Little Rock. So I got to go play poker with all these great chefs in the Little Rock area and all this stuff, and it was a really an amazing experience to to talk with other chefs and see you know what they're doing. But at one point in the evening, uh, everybody started telling stories about their fights between them in front of the house, and all the, these horrendous, horrible things <laughs> that they would say to one another and to their servers and making people cry and all that kind of stuff. And they're sharing all these experiences and they're going around the table and they get to me. I'm just like, uh, no. Oh, we don't, not, not at Fox and Fork. Like, oh, come on. You, so I'm not saying I haven't been frustrated and angry and I've been sharp with someone. But I don't, you know, we don't have that here. And if things ever get too tenuous or uh, too strained, um, we all sit down at the end of the night and we're having a good time and we're talking again, you know. And it's, um, we, we try not to ever let the sun go down on our wrath. And everybody that leaves and walks out, you know, even though they may not have had a great night, uh, they know tomorrow's a new day. We can start all over, and so nobody nobody walks away angry at each other. Well, I mean, as far as I know, yeah. we 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 inculcate that family aspect because these are my my other kids. I have my kids, and I have my other kids. I have my other sisters. I have my other, you know, mm-hmm. and we're all friends. So um, I mean, why would I why would I want to have a strained relationship with somebody? Who wants who's supposed to be putting my best foot forward at the front of the house and jeopardizing that for the entire time they work here until they finally get so frustrated they quit and leave and yeah. they go work for somebody else yeah you know there's, there's no sense in that it doesn't it's it doesn't purpose. work and i would think that that would make sense in little rock too because there are a lot of places to choose from to go and work why would i work for your sorry butt mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um and then last week also, you had mentioned about the magazine, the Arkansas Living, and, and then that there was a few more articles. Can you all elaborate a little bit on that? How did that happen? Um, you know, we, we don't know. It's weird. I um, People have just approached us at different times. Um, uh, I know Johnny Sane, who uh, does has About the River Valley magazine, he approached us. He had heard about the food, and he wanted to showcase one of, uh, well, we did, I think, the bourbon meatloaf. So they came to take pictures of that, and that was just going to be a little blurb about that. And we sat down and talked, um, gosh, for probably about 45 minutes to an hour. And he's like, you know what? 
scratch the feature on the meatloaf. I want to do, you know, the whole, yeah. the whole story I want to do. And so anyway, so that was, that was kind of how that came about. And, um, just had some great conversations with, with Johnny. And, um, so anyway, and then I guess, I mean, people have just approached us, uh, Arkansas living. They wanted to do, you know, they came by and said, Hey, can we do an article about your restaurant? I'm like, sure. And then, uh, We've even been featured, it was just a little blurb, a little paragraph in the local palette, which is a, a national magazine, and I still don't know how they heard about us, but, um, but it was just a little mention about, you know, off the beaten path kind of places, and, uh, and it was really cool, and, I, and then we had somebody, right before the Arkansas Living magazine came out, um, we had somebody came in, come in to the restaurant and they're like, I read about you in the magazine. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was out yet because I was expecting it like the next month. And she's like, well, I've got one in the car. You want to see it? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to see it. So she comes in and it was a whole different magazine. It wasn't even the Arkansas Living one. It was another, I don't even remember what the name of it was, but I had no clue we were going to be in that one. So yeah. it's been like four different magazines that we've been that we've been in, which is really flattering, um, yeah. because we didn't seek those out. That's just, you know, yeah. something that came about. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, so we're about to wrap it up, but I wanted to, to get your opinions. Um, so what's some advice that you would give other entrepreneurs starting out? Oh gosh. Um, don't give up. Don't give up. Um, yeah. because there are going to be there are going to be obstacles in your way. There are going to be um, things that happen that make you question, okay. In fact, still, Rob and I, we're three years into this, which I tell people all the time, and in restaurant years, we're still in diapers. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just we're technically toddlers in the restaurant industry. But, um, you know, they say they say five years, is, you know. But... Um, <laughs> Welcome to the restaurant. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, even still, Rob and I will sit down and we'll we'll look at each other after after a hard day, and and you know, the question is, are we still having fun? You know, and and the answer it may be not today, but you know, when when I look at the whole scheme of things, I don't want to go back to life as it was before. I mean, we, we genuinely love what we're doing and we genuinely love working together. And if there's one thing we've learned above all else from this whole experience in the last three years, it's that we're, we're a pretty good team and whatever we do going forward, we want to do it together. And, um, so anyway, what, whatever that looks like and you know, we may be here for another 30 years and, and we may, you know, be gone tomorrow and do something different. I mean, who, you know, who knows what direction uh, we'll go. We hope, we hope we'll be here for a long time. We love what we're doing. We love Clarksville. We love being a part of downtown Clarksville. And, um, and that's, that's our, that's our plan. So, but yeah, just don't give up. That's, that's my advice. Just push hard for what you want. Um, knock on doors. Uh, Rachel Hollis tells the story about when she wrote her first book, she said not a single publisher would publish it. And um, they wanted her to make changes that she wasn't comfortable making. And, and she was devastated. And she could have just said, oh, well, I guess I'm a horrible writer and I'm not going to publish a book. And, but she didn't. She immediately Googled how to publish your own book. 
and she she pushed herself and she published her own book and it became a New York Times bestseller yeah. because of all the reasons because because she didn't make the changes that they wanted you know her to make going so. back to being yourself and not trying to be someone else thank <laughs> you yes exactly so just you know don't give up keep trying if one door closes you know look for the next one do you have anything you'd like to add Rob um, the it dovetails exactly what you guys were saying still stay be yourself be weird be quirky uh, be strange and unique and different um, love very largely cast a broad net all those catchphrases that you hear are actually kind of true it sounds quirky and it sounds campy it sounds like something from a self-help magazine and maybe it is but it actually is kind of true um, you know be all those things eventually it does uh, it, it pays off in in internal dividends like you would believe uh, no matter like and it's like Kim saying no matter what happens tomorrow this experience has and has forever changed our lives it really has so no matter like, no matter what happens tomorrow morning, because any it could be anybody's guess, um, you know this experience will have made us into something completely different than we were before we started it. So yeah, entrepreneurial, um, or just even in your daily lives, um, you know it's not like entrepreneurs are the latest and greatest of all of the fields of work that you could be involved in. Um, you know, if you're a teacher, uh, be weird and quirky and strange. Um, kids will remember you for the rest of their lives. If you are a, a, an x-ray technician, you know, make it fun, make it interesting. Make sure that that patient is having a good time. They will remember you. I mean, there's nothing fun about a mammogram, I'm sure. <laughs> but if you can be fun and quirky and, 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 and a little bit hilarious, you can take what's an unpleasant experience and make it memorable and go, you know, whatever you do, if you have to get a mammogram, find this person and yeah, make sure okay. that they're the ones doing it because they have, you know, balloons or whatever, stuffed animals. <laughs> and, you know, just in, in any field of work or in labor, you know, do those things. Be unique. Be campy. Be, be fun. And Bob Goff addresses that in his book, Love Does, uh, several times about how the people that he's that could have made things now you're supposed to do it this way you know but they didn't do that with him and he's remembered them his whole life and uh but yeah yeah do that um so what's what's one misconception that you have about the restaurant that you'd like to address oh my 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 favorite misconception uh is people people think we're too expensive or we're too high-end or we're too highbrow or whatever and um and honestly our prices are very comparable to um to to the other restaurants in town um are are we more expensive than mcdonald's probably but people that come here aren't looking for a mcdonald's experience you know but are we more expensive than, you know, say Pasta Grill was or, you know, Fat Dogs or Crosswoods or, you know, any of those great restaurants in town? I think we're pretty comparable. And I think people have kind of, some people have kind of stayed away because of that impression. And I think they will be pleasantly surprised if they come in and see, you know. But that's, that's my biggest pet peeve as far as misconceptions because I feel like we've, we've worked really, really hard to uh, to make it affordable and to uh, to make this a place that everybody can enjoy. So 
Yeah, I was looking at the menu, and most items, you know, from 7 to $12. But, I mean, at other restaurants, that's typically what you're right. going to pay. And then especially, right. you're paying for quality. It's, yeah. You know, so can you talk a little bit more on the quality of the product, Rob? Well, uh, we, I, I, I work really hard. Oh, well, you saw it this morning when I was looking at the coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading ingredients all the time. Um, I, one of my biggest, um, I, I kind of consider myself kind of a crusader against sugar. Um, because they literally put it in everything now. There's sugar in everything. I mean, you pick up a pack of ribs now at Walmart, it'll say dextrose. Well, that's sugar. It's a a 2% dextrose solution. So I kind of consider myself kind of a crusader against sugar. Now, I'm not 100% against, I mean, where it's needed and necessary, a cookie, a muffin, a you know, biscotti. Yeah, by all means, put some sugar in there. But literally, not everything you consume needs to have sugar in it. There's sugar in the rubs, there's sugar in the sauces, there's sugar in mayonnaise, there's sugar in peanut butter. Yeah. Why is there sugar in peanut butter? <laughs> there should not be sugar in peanut butter. Um, definitely not in my ribs. And so, uh, when I look at quality, I ve- I'm very, I'm painstaking about it. We shred our own cheese by hand here. The reason why is because pre-shredded cheese has cellulose in it to keep it separate. You know what cellulose is? It's sawdust. Oh my goodness. It's, it's inso- they, they say it's insoluble fiber. <gasps> now, I don't know, I'm not a termite, uh, never eaten wood. Uh, I don't think it's good for my system. And, uh, but, oh yeah, and as I get older, I find myself more sensitive to some of these additives. I mean, when you're young, I mean, shoot, you could eat a brick and you'll be fine. <laughs> but, but the older you get, it's like, yeah, man, that, that really, that was a bad thing to eat <laughs> for me. Like milk on a hot day. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So, uh, so I'm, I, when it comes to quality, you know, I do know there are some places, not here in town that, you know, that I'm aware of, but uh, I, I do know of other places that um, they'll put oatmeal in their, in their ground beef to make it stretch. And it's like, why would you do that? And if someone's gluten-free or they're carb-free and they eat that burger and they can't figure out why their system was wrecked the next day, well, that's why. They just ate, like, a a hamburger with 20 to 30% oatmeal in it. And you can't can't see oatmeal once it's been mixed in and and cooked off and it absorbs all the fats and all that kind of stuff, but you don't see it. But... I don't. We don't do those kinds of things. Our our beef is straight out of the package, the way it was. God was meant it to be eaten. You know, I I, I don't put any additives in that. Um, uh, our gravy here, even though it is, it's made from uh, flour, fat, and stock. Those three things, simple ingredients, mm-hmm. simple things. I don't have any xanthan gum in it. I don't have any. Uh, what's some of those other thickeners and all these agars and gelatin and all this kind of stuff? No, it's it's simply fat, flour, maybe a little salt, and, and the stock. And we make all our own stock from scratch. Uh, it takes 24 hours to make it. Goodness, I didn't realize it took that long. Yeah, it's uh, to make a good stock. Now, I can make a broth out of meat in about 30 minutes, but stock has a good stock that makes good gravies and sauces and all this kind of stuff, it includes the bones and that. It's, it gives it that mouthfeel and all those, mm-hmm. and it also has a lot of minerals and good things for you. So uh, so that's, that's what, a, when I do quality, um, my food people uh, are get frustrated with me sometimes because they'll have a new product they want to introduce and they'll bring it in and uh, they'll hand it to me and the first thing I do is I flip it over and I look at the back of the package and it drives them crazy because they're like they always feel like they're being tested and then I'm going nope it's got this 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 and this I will never have that here ever yeah. um, 
And so they find themselves challenged a lot because they trying to get me on new products, but so many new products just have junk in them. Well, and you know, we've we've told this story before. There's a there's a guy that comes in here and eats our burgers all the time, and oh, yeah. and uh and I you know I was giving him a hard time one time, and I went like, don't you want to try something else on the menu? And he's like, you don't understand. I've not been able to eat red meat for the past you know three years, and he said, but your burgers don't bother me. I can eat your burgers, and I think that's a huge testimony, you know, to the quality of food that we serve here. So. Right. Is there anything that y'all would like to add? I can't think of anything. No. We could talk for hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty good at talking. <laughs> we are pretty good at that. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and and for letting me get to know y'all better. I really I really have enjoyed it over the last week. <laughs> but we have too. We've enjoyed it a lot. So. All right, so thanks for joining us. This is Jessica, and know your roots.